everyone, and welcome to the latest Remember a Charity podcast, where we bring together fundraisers and friends from the sector to chat about all things related to legacies. So whilst there are loads of amazing resources out there for fundraisers at the moment, we've really loved carving out this little corner of the internet with our podcast because it's really informal, really relaxed, and it's also a chance for you to take that all-important break from your screen, especially now the days are getting a bit longer. Uh, it's great to plug in a podcast and go for a stroll. So this episode is going to be focused on small charities and the various challenges and opportunities faced in comparison with some of the large organisations that we often speak to when it comes to legacy fundraising. Um, and we know from talking to our members that smaller charities face really different challenges when it comes to legacies. So we wanted to explore some of these in more depth and perhaps help give some advice and insights to others listening. So we hope this will be a useful listen to any small charities who are already legacy fundraising or perhaps even those who haven't started that journey yet and just aren't quite sure where to begin. So our guests today are two brilliant fundraisers from two different charities. Um, and do you want to introduce yourself briefly and explain what your charity does? Um, Charlotte, can I come to you first? Thank you. I'm Charlotte Hart and I'm the fundraising manager at Heart UK, the cholesterol charity. We're the only charity in the UK dedicated to supporting people avoid heart attacks, strokes and um, vascular dementia caused by high cholesterol. We're not a large charity, our turnover is just over a million and we employ uh, just over 10 members of staff and some of those are part-time. Great, thank you Charlotte, welcome. And Audrey? Uh, yeah, hi Lucinda, hi Charlotte. Uh, my name is Audrey and I'm Head of Fundraising at the British Liver Trust and we're a similar size to Charlotte. We've just tipped into just over a million pound turnover. The British Liver Trust is a patient-centred organisation and we support and provide information and advice and campaigning on all aspects of liver disease and liver cancer. So it's um, a bit like the, the cholesterol that Charlotte I think is going to talk about is that it's a bit of a secret crisis that's happening across the UK. So it's lovely to be here this morning. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you both so much for taking the time. Um, so I'm going to be asking five questions exploring different aspects of legacy fundraising in a small charity. So I'll kick off with the first question. So how does your charity currently promote legacy giving and what encouraged you to start doing so? Um, Audrey, if I can come to you first on that one. Yeah, sure. Um, I joined the Trust uh, almost nine years ago now, and um, we had a bit of a reshake, um, reschedule, reschedule uh, a revamp in the fundraising team, and we lost a few people. So I took on lots of different responsibilities, and I could see that there was a bit of a gap on legacies. And you never know how long you're going to be with an organisation, but it's your responsibility to do what you can for the future. Obviously, yeah. I've ended up being here for quite a long time. Um, so I knew that, that I had to do something with legacies and I didn't know quite where to start. Mm. Um, I'm going to reference a couple of people who've helped me along the way. Um, anybody that's listening to this podcast who's into legacies will have heard of Richard Radcliffe. Yeah. So Richard Radcliffe is the legacy guru in the UK. So you have to look at Total, total. <laughs> so you can agree or disagree, but he's controversial either way. So he's, he's helped me along the way in terms of his advice. Um, fantastic legacy fundraiser called Helen Smith from Cancer Research UK, who is sharing her expertise with many charities at the moment. Um, and a lovely um, fundraiser called Leona Walsh, who I spoke to very recently about ideas for small charities. So some of these are, are ideas from those three people and some are our own. But it's really, to me, it's about a drip drip approach. 
so how we do it at the moment because I look after lots of things not just legacy um we have a page on the website we do a ps on our thank you letters uh we use the uh, remember a charity assets so we remember we use the bookmark that was provided by remember a charity over the last couple of years and that goes out with all of our thank you letters and our publications um we're testing facebook advertising we're just dipping our toe in the water with that at the moment um, we have an email newsletter which goes out to everybody we we're allowed to write to and we promote legacies in spring and in autumn at remember a charity week time um, and we joined Remember a Charity three years ago. So um, again, I kind of thought, right, what do I need to do? How can I invest um, wisely the charity's money on legacies? And Remember a Charity is such an all-encompassing organisation. So in terms of knowledge and skills and experience, you're accessing a big team of people, not a big team, a big pool of knowledge uh, in a small team. And it gives you access to that kind of national campaign that we could never afford. Um, so that's really what we're doing at the moment is drip, drip, bookmarks, PSs, website and the Remember a Charity membership. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing quite a lot, but actually when you think about it, each of those things isn't enormously time consuming or expensive. Yeah. 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 I would say I spend probably, I don't spend enough time on it, but probably about two or three days a month. Um, on legacy so it's spread across the month but I would say and I go to now that things are virtual I do I do go to a lot of the IOF um, uh, special interest groups and I go to various will providers do online things so I do go to those and I think you just pick up tips with the, each thing that you attend um, and I just try and implement them you know wherever I can so yeah it's probably about two or three days a month I spend on it I would say okay that's interesting um, yeah, Charlotte, what are your what are your thoughts? Um, well, I actually very like Audrey, really. Um, I, I tend to have to do an awful lot of things. So, you know, a lot of the fundraising mix comes my way. Um, but um, I think that um, from Heart UK's point of view, we are members of Remember Charity and we value that very much. We've been members for quite some time now and um, really get an awful lot out of the, um, the membership and particularly Remember Charity Week in September gives us that focus, which I think is really important. Mm. Um, we do a lot of website marketing. Um, our website pages are, are I think, are good and informative. Um, and I think that's really important. And um, we have, um, a, a, well, actually it was through Remember Charity, their advice. Um, I actually um, was struggling to find some um, more sort of case studies and um, I approached a couple of trustees to see whether they would actually be um, legacy champions. So yeah. that, and that was, that's gone down really well. They were very pleased to be asked. Often it's very difficult to ask people about legacies. Yeah. Very pleased to be asked. They've been very, very helpful. And um, I've got their case studies up on our website um, page. Both are very passionate about the cause. And um, that's good because they are actually communicating to our trustees the importance of legacies and spreading that message out that mm -hmm. way. I think is really important too. Um, case studies are so so vital. I don't know about you, Audrey, but mm. yeah, definitely <laughs> you know, a bit like uh, hen's teeth, aren't they? A bit hard to, yeah. hard to find, but when you've got yeah. them, they're yeah, yeah, gold dust, really. Yeah, absolutely, and they are our collateral. And um, I find this the hardest part of legacy marketing is finding people who are going to be kind enough to give us their story and tell us that they've pledged. Yeah. Because unless you have those pledges, you have no collateral, you have nothing to go out on. Mm. Um, and that 
particularly think um, for a member of Charity Week in September, the opportunities that you guys offer us in terms of editorial and the Telegraph and the Scotsman are so valuable. And um, with, but without a case study, you you, can't, you, you know you're you're you can't get one. So mm. the, um, I'm working very very hard now on trying to be brave. I think to approach some key supporters, key donors with actually being brave and saying, you know, what would you like to pledge to leave a gift to Heart UK? It's hard, but um, I'm getting braver all the time to do it. So I think I think that's some really good. So I want to my some of my objectives this year are to try and get more more pledges and more case studies um, so um, we can we can get that going more. Um, we also have a legacy leaflet. I'm sure you do as well. Audrey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, that obviously is there for people to um, to refer to and we send those out, but we don't really nearly we make sure that they dialogue with us first so we know who has actually asked for a leaflet so we can keep that sort of trail going. Um, like Audrey as well, we have a regular e-newsletter and we all often have a, um, we actually discipline it to, to fundraising messages um, um, an issue but we do have that drip drip approach and I would agree with you Audrey that that is so, so, so um, vital. Um, and um, we are beginning to um, do use video. That's in my plan, um, you know, video is so powerful. So trying to get our pledges once we've got them to actually um, um, be filmed or film themselves on a the phone, just 30 seconds so we can start to post those out. Um, and we will be doing that this year. I've also looked at, um, developing some myth busting things because again it's like oh so many people don't really understand about legacies and things and um they're about i'm going to put those on our e-news um i've spoken to our comms team to schedule those in but they're just little things like you know um things that worry people about legacy giving and are so common you know like um i i don't don't have enough money I won't have um, my legacy won't make a difference all those types of things which which is, legacies do make a huge difference to a charity and so we want to get that message across um, and um, really I think that's that's about it really I think I've got on enough about that but I would say we have one big problem that is pledges but we're working on it. Thank you so much there's so much there that I could talk about and um, I just wanted to pick up on the um the point you made about case studies um and trying to find yeah pledges I guess thinking of other people who are listening who who might also be in the same position is there another angle you could take when trying to promote mm. legacies in terms of rather than specifically talking about a supporter that has chosen to leave a gift if if you can't find one could you talk instead about what a legacy could achieve in the future? Because um, I think that was that was an angle we went down um, last year or the year before in terms of remember Charity Week that that a gift in your will could help us achieve X Y Z in 10, 20 years, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to someone who's pledged a gift. So I think in terms of case studies, don't necessarily be put off by by not having a, a person you can put forward as you said, with um, the editorial for uh, the supplements we do in the autumn. Um, yeah, if you don't have someone to put forward, it could instead be about a project which, which 
could be funded by legacies in the future something that you want to do which could then materialize because of gifts so yeah it's trying to change that mindset um and and yeah the second thing I would say was around myth busting again understanding is one of those huge challenges when it comes to talking about gifts and wills that some people just automatically think oh it's not for me because I don't have enough money or it won't make a difference uh, like you said Charlotte and and trying to increase that understanding will hopefully eventually then increase that consideration and it is trying to knock down some of those barriers that people have which um yeah which is something that that is going to be a a big task for all of us but remember charity is one of the most important things that we're trying to do Mm -hmm. it's great to hear that that you're doing that yourself Charlotte it's brilliant (laughs) okay right um next question so in terms of being a small charity what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to gifts and wills um and again I'll come to Audrey first on that um, I suppose the biggest challenge is resource, which it is for a lot of a lot of charities. Charities of every size would probably say that, even if they've got twenty five people in their in their fundraising team, um, and we've only got twenty five people across the whole charity. But it's it's about resource. Um, you know, I spend uh, as much time as I can on legacies, but it's still not enough. It never feels like enough. So um, I am optimistic that later this year we might be able to recruit a legacy and in memory fundraiser, depending on how the income pans out. So that would be very exciting. Um, but really not having time to sort of sit and think and work out our own legacy story. Um, as you say, you don't necessarily need a case study to show the, the um, impact for the charity on having um, leaving a gift in a will. It's about the impact that that supporter can make. So if we were able to put across a very strong legacy story for the charity, which I think, we, I think we've actually got a good legacy story, we just haven't had time to write it up yet, um, about our founder and how the charity came about and the legacy that she's created. Um, and I think talking to, um, we're widening out who we talk to and we're talking to uh, financial advisors and um, lifetime legacy planning and things like that, having a bit more of an American approach to it. So it's not just about the will, it's yeah. about what is your lifetime legacy. And I think if we can get that across more to supporters about something that you care about in your lifetime, how do you want your legacy to continue after your lifetime? And I think that's a really strong, powerful message having time to develop that and, and create it and test it that's one of my moments um, and I think for us also that we don't have um, events or locations to invite people to um, I know this podcast has been made in the time of Covid so we're not inviting people anyway but in normal times we don't have a research lab we don't have a big country house like National Trust we don't have international projects so I think having something to show people and to talk to people about be quite a challenge for us as well I like Charlotte's um suggestion about videos I definitely want to do more videos of just getting people to talk to camera and then you can share that and you don't have to have a big country house or a research lab you can just get people talking about passionate about yeah I think um your point about busy videos that's the um I think the marketing term is a user generated content mm. yeah trying to get your supporters to create content for you because yeah. you don't have that resource um i worked at a small charity myself um a few years ago and yeah trying to get our beneficiaries to help us create content was a great way of engaging them with the cause and helping them understand you know 
their involvement in what we did as a charity was, was really, really beneficial. It, but it is it can be a bit time consuming when you're first trying to start that process. But yeah, mm. that's great. Yeah, I definitely want definitely want to do some of that. I was gonna say do more of that, but we don't do it at all. So <laughs> I need to start it. <laughs> Thank you. Um Charlotte. Um well again I would agree with Audrey. <laughs> Resources. Well, you'll have to go first next time and then I can agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> but resources always a problem. Um, so, you know, and I think it's actually making time, being disciplined to make some time to, to, to work on legacies. Um, but, um, and I think the other thing I'd agree with you, Audrey, is as well is that we we don't have a premises. In a past charity, I know we actually invited some, some key people down to a research lab and how powerful that really was. Mm. We don't, but that's, I think, one another reason why we want to use video more to try and communicate that. Um, and I think the other thing that, that we all need is a long-term vision because we are talking to people who um, might not be dying, actually, for mm. the, in the immediate future, you know, so they want to know that their money is going to be spent wisely and how that can help them in a, a long-term. Mm. I think that's really, really important as well. And I agree, impact, you know, just telling people the whole time about um, the impact of leaving a gift in will, particularly, I think, for a small charity. Um, I would say that, I mean, uh, other challenges as again, I've, I've covered the, um, the pledges, um, but I also think as well, um, fighting for space with your comms is another, <laughs> is another um, challenge. I mean, our comms department's lovely, our head of comms is lovely and very accommodating and everything like that. But you know, you do have to, I don't know about you, Audrey, but you do have to obviously plan. Yeah. It's a balancing um, act, isn't it, all the time? It is. Yeah. It, it is. And you have to go with your case. But I have to say, when um, um, we did the, when you remember charity, um, had um, Len Good, Goodman. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, on um, That was just such an opportunity. We were lucky enough to go and be selected and I had my photograph taken with him in my Heart UK t-shirt and uh, with him and he was delightful and um, that got so much traction on social media that suddenly our head of comms was like oh okay okay Charlotte that's that's um okay what else have we got and then I was able to get our own UK study in the Daily Telegraph that year it was a, a bumpy year for us and suddenly I, I was like brought up the the ladder as it were like oh yeah something interesting to say <laughs> and, and it, it got a lot of traction and, and that was that was lovely so um that's what I think you, personally I don't think you can ever underestimate the power of a celebrity getting involved with your campaign and um, I think that went down really 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 well so um I think um you know in terms of comms you've got to to get your planning absolutely right particularly for remember charity week and this is we're going to get the videos done for for that and um really get it planned in and and um fight your corner <laughs> you know i don't think you guys are alone in terms of having to to um try and liaise with your comms team and trying to squeeze in legacy messaging I, from what we've heard all of our mm. members have the same struggle mm. with, um, yeah. because it's something that, that people are still hesitant to push out to supporters particularly on social media where it's perhaps not deemed to be as engaging as some of your other content perhaps so yeah it's very much um fighting your corner and making sure that comms teams understand the relevance of of gifts and wills messaging to their supporters and yeah it's um it's it's worth the effort by the sounds of things especially if you have the value of 
opportunities like you said with Len Goodman it's mm. brilliant that that, that worked for you and you were able to raise internal awareness of the value of, mm. of legacy stories and um, sorry I was going to say I think the challenge the constant challenge with legacies is that you don't see an immediate return exactly. so the the battle for space the battle for investment if you've got um you know if the charity's got other priorities and a very difficult bottom line they're going to find it difficult to invest in legacies, but you have to fight your corner because mm-hmm. you know that long term it's going to be worthwhile. Um, it's definitely got to be worth doing. Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of the issue is that you don't see the, the return overnight. And I know, you know, on, on forums and things in the past year, we've heard of fundraisers being told to increase their budget for legacies for 2022. And they say, well, how can I possibly do that? I, it, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So I think it's that you know, that knowledge and understanding, you know, Charlotte said about the board, fantastic. You know, you've got to have that understanding at board level and senior management level that it's worth doing. You've got to be in it for the long haul. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that, Audrey. I mean, yeah. definitely our trustees and our chief executive are, are massively supportive yeah. of this and, and completely are on board with understanding the importance of legacy giving. Yeah. I will other thing as well, and that is um, obviously it's it's wills. <laughs> You know, people just don't seem to be to make a will. Um, I don't. We do. <laughs> don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about death. Oh. People think that if you've written a will, it makes you more likely to die. But actually, Richard Radcliffe would say it makes you more likely to live. Yes, I, I read that. Yes, yes, I've I've seen that. Survive for longer once you've written it. I I don't know. I, I think that you know we have um, a partnership with a, a, a will writing um, um, firm, and we promote that and. Um, we don't get a, a, a huge amount of traction on that, but um, you know, it is fairly simple to make a will. Um, mm. um, obviously, go to a solicitor or use our will writing or use a will writing firm. But mm. I suppose the message is, that, you know, you can't leave a gift to charity unless you make a will, and and that's the, mm. another real barrier that we we find. I, th- I think it's forgive me if I'm wrong or correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's something like two thirds of people don't have a will in the UK. Is that right? Like I think that. it's yeah I think it's coming down I think it's closer to half now but oh, it's, it? yeah it's hard isn't it because we're told don't don't kind of lead with that message because then people will think oh well it's normal not to have a will mm. so lead with the message that having a will is the right thing to do rather than completely. half of people completely. don't have one so yeah completely completely it's the only way to make sure that everything all your wishes are carried mm. out mm. Um, and you know if you want to support a charity you love then um that is the only way really to do it. So yeah, it's yeah. types of messages as well, which is probably another myth buff. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we say that um, a will is the most important document you'll ever sign. Mm. Um, so yeah, exactly. It's, it's trying to talk about will writing to encourage that behaviour, which then in turn will hopefully then encourage people to leave gifts to charities as It's well. just got to be normalised, hasn't it? Exactly. It's just got to be part of, right, you're taking out a mortgage, you're writing your will, you know, mm. you're, you're getting married, you're writing your will. It just needs to be part of, of course, it's a, a big decision. It's an important decision, but it shouldn't be scary. It should be mm. just part of, right, if there's some changes happening, and a new baby's been born, let's make sure the baby's in the will. You know that kind of thing and just try and normalize it more which i know that's remember a charity's aim yeah um, what we're trying to do yeah. is even work with um people beyond just solicitors so financial advisors and, and yeah trying to to get that will message into other 
places in someone's life not yeah. just you know write a will as, it shouldn't just be a standalone thing it should be as you say you know if there's mm. a life change you get married you have a baby you move house mm. uh, I mean I've just moved into my own flat I should I should write a will up congratulations yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's the trigger for, for me you know um yeah. I've now got something I have an estate now so mm. <laughs> um okay right moving on I'm conscious of time um we've been talking about the challenges but are there opportunities as a small charity when it comes to legacies that perhaps larger um larger charities don't have um or do you have any success stories that you can share with us as a small charity um charlotte i'm going to come to you first so that audrey can agree with you <laughs> um well all i would say really is that it is such a joy to actually hear that you've received a legacy um you know for a small charity it makes a huge amount of difference and we have been blessed with some legacies over the years which have really really been so beneficial for us um and it's and I don't know about you Audrey but so often you look on your database and you have no reference of this this person at all um and um I think that that is um purely down to the fact that uh, they've obviously been helped or touched by Heart UK at some time in their life and isn't that lovely you know that they mm. us at, at that time um so however big or however small for us it, being a small charity it makes a huge 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 difference but um I think any other opportunities for smaller charities I think from your donor perspective supporter perspective it's probably really nice to know that if they want to contact someone in the charity that there is that individual feeling you know or that individual there that they can pick up a phone to and talk to and that's that would be me that they do that too I think sometimes in a larger charity perhaps that that feeling might be a little bit lost. Um, I don't know because uh, I've not worked in a big charity, but I think I think it's it's such an individual sort of thing to um, be able to know that you're helping a small charity and that you can actually speak to someone or or even our chief executive who would be very very happy to talk to mm. anyone. Um, you know that that's reachable and 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 something which can happen. So I think from that point of view, those are a couple of opportunities. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd, I'd endorse those. I think, and then the other opportunity, I think, in a small charity, certainly in, in our place, is that you can get decisions made much more quickly. Yeah. So you can turn things around really quickly. And if, if an opportunity comes up for, um, so for instance, last week, we were offered nothing to do with legacies, but we were offered a, a last minute opportunity to provide leaflets to go into GP surgeries because one of those advertising um, spaces became available for free. Somebody dropped out. And we just turned it around and sent out 70,000 leaflets to 4,000 GP surgeries, something which we could never afford normally. Um, but I suspect, and the, and the leaflet had to be amended because there was something to be updated and put a separate code on it. And I suspect in a larger charity, they might not have turned it around quite so quickly or got the decision. Um, and certainly for campaigns, you know, I only need to speak to one or two people to, to make something happen. I've got a colleague in the fundraising team who can um, update the website. So we are responsible for that. So I think there's a lot more autonomy and there's a lot more responsibility, but there's a lot more flexibility as well in a small charity. Yeah, I would agree, I would agree with that, um, Audrey, very much so. Yeah, that echoes um, the feelings I feel about that as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it feels like there's a less hoops to jump through in terms Definitely. of... Definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a definite opportunity. Great, yeah. I, lo I love the 
um, that point you made, Charlotte, about it being more personal and being able to have that direct mm. relationship with people and, and you know, what are the chances of, of a supporter being able to speak to a chief exec of a charity at one of, you know, one of the bigger ones would mm. just virtually impossible whereas it's lovely that they'll be able to have that really direct personal relationship with with that small charity and really feel like they're connected and they can make a difference so yeah that's a lovely point um on to the next question um we might have already covered this but do you have any top tips for small charities who aren't sure where to even start with legacies um audrey i'll come back to you yeah, I think we could, we did talk about this at the beginning, didn't we? Um, I just think anything that you can do for free, which you can write, so you can write anything on your thank you letters and on your website and on your e-newsletters, and that doesn't cost anything at all, just the time to write it. So it's about the drip, drip messages. It's just having it on um, email footers. Um, it's having it as your PS. And um, a, a wording that I will attribute to Richard Radcliffe is um, to include it in the description of how you're funded. So we are funded by donations, including gifts and wills. So it's just having that kind of natural language, that gifts and wills are part of your income and just making it much more natural. And all of those things can be done for free. They don't cost anything at all. And definitely use the free assets that are provided through Remember Charity. If you're, if you're a member, you get great free assets. And we're as I say, we're still using the bookmarks. And you just never know where it's going to land, who's going to see it. So just keep going with those messages. Thank you. Um, Charlotte, what are your top tips? Um, well, I, I think from a small charity's point of view, I think membership of a member of charity is is fabulous because if you if it's only you working in isolation which it often is you've got no one to bounce ideas off or no one to talk to and so often I've picked up the phone and I've spoken to Rob or, or someone that remember a charity and, and actually fact it was him that came up with approaching idea to approach the legacy so I, I think that um, and, and also I love the networking I know that we can't do that at the moment but the meetings not only provide very good content and help support people with Remember Charity Week, but also it's a chance to network and, and talk to other people um, in other charities. So I would say that that's, that's a very good starting point. Um, and uh, really take, take advantage of Remember Charity Week and plan it really well, plan your comms in really well and, and use it as an advantage. And um, I remember one year we, we sent out a, um, a mailing, our um, legacy leaflet mailing around national, no, around remember charity week because we felt that the strategy there was that there was going to be a lot in the media about legacy giving so it was relevant at that time and, and it, it was it, it worked really really well so I think um, September is a good time as well when it's remember charity week to have a look at your website and update that and and just have a little bit of a sort of like um, rethink on things so I think from my point of view from being a small charity I think that that would be um, a very good um, starting point place yeah um yeah with remember charity week it's just an excuse to have that conversation the week itself is is that time in the year when when you have a reason to talk to your supporters about it you know it's remember a charity week did you know that you could support us by leaving a gift in your will like as simple mm. as that and um and yeah i think the power of the ps is something that we talk about a lot at remember charity that a lot of people might skim through an email and not really read anything apart from if they see a PS at the bottom that I will be drawn to it. 
So we always try and use PSs a lot. Mm. Um, and actually, Charlotte, something that you um, have said, I think you did a, a presentation at one of our forums and something you said always um, stuck with me. I think you said yeah. you were talking to your supporters. I think you had an event or a presentation and you said, um, always say, you know, thank you to those of you who have already left us again. I, <laughs> I was going to say that, actually. It is, if someone once told me this, and it is just so, so, so relevant and so interesting, and it's like if you are talking to um, supporters or a group or anything like that, you basically at the end and you say, thank you so much to everyone who has left us a gift in your will. This is just, just going to make such a big difference. Blah, blah, blah. Probably no one has but it actually is a really lovely way of asking. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's just a very good top tip. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that tip. I'll take yeah. that one away. It's good, good mm. psychology, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not original. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Sharing tips, sharing yeah. tips, wherever they came from, it's just... And I think actually the great thing about the, the membership of Remember a Charity is that sharing of knowledge and experience and skills. And I think... Um, I'm not a member of any other um, IOF group, but the IOF Legacy and In Memory Special Interest Group. Mm. Um, being head of fundraising, I could be a member of all of them, but I haven't got time for that. Um, but on that group, people are very open and very ready to share and share their leaflets, share their top tips. It's a great forum. And I think the um, Remember a Charity forums are the same, is that you get that kind of sense of shared ownership that we want the public to remember the cause that they care about so if that happens to be our cause great if it gets you thinking about gifts and wills absolutely that's what we want we want everybody thinking about it and having those conversations yeah yeah i definitely recommend yeah. anyone to um to join the the iof legacy mm. and in um, safe group because yeah it's such a lovely community and i think mm. the legacy sector specifically everyone's so supportive of each other and so open to sharing because there are so many who don't who have just started legacy fundraising and don't quite know where to go and, mm. and aren't quite sure and everyone's yeah brilliant at answering questions and offering advice and sharing sharing their work which is wonderful um okay last question um I know we've again already spoken about it a little bit but how would you recommend um making the most of remember a charity week in September for charities who've got that limited resource and Charlotte, I'll come to you first. Um, well, I think my, my sort of top tip would be just don't feel overwhelmed because when you go to these meetings and you hear the presentations um, from the PR agency, um, uh, what's happening, it all sounds so amazing, but you know, you sit and you know that you probably cannot deliver all this, you know, so don't feel overwhelmed, just um, have a look at it, go back, review it, and see what, as a small charity, you have the resource to actually do, and focus on the quick wins, the things, as I've mentioned before, the, the Telegraph, the Scotsman, the editorial opportunities, and focus on the things like Audrey has mentioned before, which actually don't cost you any money, like you can write things <laughs> and communicate that. Um, and I think that, um, I, I have come back from those meetings, I have to be honest, and felt, oh, you know, completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Those are so good. But you must just take a step back and say, I can't do everything. I'm just going to go through everything, cherry pick what I feel um, is going to be of, of benefit and what I feel I have the resource to do. And um, I think that that is a, a top tip for smaller charities. Um, there is that, that feeling of um, it's just too much here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
think I think the um the bookmarks are very good and I like the way that they were branded last year we were able to have them branded so again I sent those out to our trustees and they're being um sent out with thank you letters and, and things like that so that was a really good um a really good device I think um and a help because before they've had the bookmarks but they've never been um there was never an opportunity to brand them um yeah I think um just don't be overwhelmed <laughs> thank you Charlotte I think, um, yeah, I was going to say, actually, one thing I haven't mentioned yet, we've talked about email newsletters, um, but standalone email. So a single subject on Remember a Charity Week. And um, what we do is we send out two emails. So we send out one before the week and say, look out for the messages next week. Um, you know, if it's going to be Len Goodman or if it's going to be the Wombles or whatever it's going to be, whatever we're allowed to talk about, you know, little teaser email, but just make it just focus on legacies. When you put things into email newsletters, the messages can get lost. Mm -hmm. So we do one before the campaign and then one part way through the month, you know, maybe three or four weeks later to say, if you didn't get a chance to see it, here's the video clip, here's another chance. And like I say, you just never know where it's going to land. I think you've just got to do it. And email is, it's the time, but it's free, it's cheap, and it's to people who care about your cause. So I would say make the most of email during that campaign. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very, would, very much. I would also, sorry, I would also say um, as well, it's so important to analyse the campaign afterwards. So, mm -hmm. you know, to actually review it and to see what did work, what didn't work. So you can use that to actually help um, plan next next year's campaign. And uh, and we always do that. So, yeah, I just think that um, that's a very helpful tool. Yeah, testing and learning, I think, yeah. Um, don't feel overwhelmed and and yeah use learnings from previous years if, if you have been a member for for a few years mm. um yeah thank you both and some really really good tips there um that it is it for our question questions um yeah i think there's been some really really valuable useful and positive insights so thank you both so much for your time oh, thank um, you I think it's probably been really useful for people listening. But um, of course, if anyone listening has any questions about anything we've spoken about, please do email us at info at rememberacharity.org.uk and I can pass your questions on to Audrey and Charlotte. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, we have some more great podcasts and webinars lined up. But as always, if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in the future, or if you want to be a guest on the podcast, please do get in touch. Um, thank you, Audrey and Charlotte, again for your time. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>